Okay, how you guys doing? We move on to the subject of the day. You guys doing good? Cool. We're going to have a good day today. You know, uh, this series is called uh, Genesis to Jesus, and I just want to kind of start off with just kind of a little review of where we've come from, because God's plan is amazing. God's plan is let us make man in our image so that we can have relationship with him forever. We are divinely designed for that very purpose, to have relationship with God. Isn't that mind-blowing? Yeah? Divinely designed for that. There's no other creature in the entire universe that is designed the way we are to have a relationship with the living God. What a great thing that is. And the way he did that was he, he created Adam and Eve, right? And Adam and Eve, you know, they kind of took us the wrong direction. And this is what I want to talk about for just a minute because tra trajectory is a really important thing to keep in mind uh, as, we, as we walk through uh, this whole idea of Genesis to Jesus and, and what Jesus is speaking to us through the Old Testament trajectory. Because in the beginning, everything was set up and God said it was what? Very good. And then all this stuff started to happen, right? Adam and Eve immediately took us off course. And now we were not divinely wired anymore to be able to have an automatic connection to God. It was at that very moment that that design was broken on our end. So we could not have it. And unless there was an intervention, then we couldn't enter into that relationship anymore. Then there was Cain and Abel. And the first murder happens right with the next generation. That's how you know trajectory is off, don't you think? You know, I, was, I watched this, uh, this series on, on sending the men to the moon and everything. And one of the most important things they needed to figure out was navigation, how to get there. And what they learned was they had to start at the right moment, the right time, the right angle. Otherwise, by the end, they wouldn't get there. How many of you know I love guns? No, I don't. But I don't mind guns, and I've shot guns before. And what I've realized about shooting a gun is, is that nothing else happens after you pull the trigger. When you pull the trigger, it is already decided where that bullet is going to miss on the target in my case. <laughs> now, Cynthia got a bullseye, so that was good, but I missed. <laughs> so... It's before it leaves that your trajectory is decided. And if it's going to hit the mark or miss the mark, that's sin. Missing the mark, that's what that means, right? To miss the mark. And so uh, from Adam and Eve on, we can see missing the mark, missing the mark. The trajectory is getting off and off and off. I went to a summer camp where it was on a big lake, and there were all kinds of boats that you can take. And the thing about trajectory is you have to stay. You have to set the mark, and you have to stay on the mark. But when it comes to sin, we can't do that without intervention from God. We can't do that without Him. So here we are. We have, we have Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And now it comes to Noah. That's the story we're talking about today is the gospel according to Noah. You didn't know there was a gospel in Noah, did you? It'll be interesting to see. So Noah was born about a thousand years after Adam and Eve were created. So a thousand years after creation. And he lived 500 years before the story that we're talking about today. And you know... The gospel is called the New Covenant, and later on we're going to take communion, and, and Jesus called that the New Covenant that was for us, for the forgiveness of sins. We'll take communion together. But the reality is, is the New Covenant is spoken of in the Old Testament time and time again. You see the skin, the animal that was killed for the covering of Adam and Eve and their nakedness as a first sign. And now you see this sign as well. It's a powerful sign. And 
I hope that you guys really hear from the Lord on this. And let's pray about that, all right? What do you think? Let's pray and ask the Lord to open our hearts. Lord, right now, we just want to come before you, and, and uh, we ask, God, that you would speak. Lord, I have ideas, but uh, those are only good ideas. We want God ideas. <clears throat> and so we ask, God, that you would just speak today in our hearts. Every person here needs to hear something uniquely specific for where they are and who they are. We ask, God, that not only that they would hear it, but they would receive it in their souls. They would receive it and be changed by it. Do you guys agree with that? Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk today about the gospel according to Noah, and I thought I'd do that in a fun way. We're going to do that using the Romans Road. How many of you know what the Romans Road is? Not too many. The Romans Road is several scriptures in the letter to Romans written by Paul that identify the gospel of Jesus Christ, the steps and, and the, the, um, the principles of the gospel of Jesus in a very simple and clear way. You're going to see it. Uh, and it's a great presentation of the gospel just in just a few scriptures. And so it's used very often to be able to share the gospel with people that want to know about Jesus. So I thought, here is a classic presentation of the gospel, the Romans Road, and we will use that alongside uh, the gospel uh, that, that is presented in, in Noah in Genesis, all right? So the Romans Road says in the first step that we have all sinned. We have all sinned. And in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Who? All. And we've sinned and we've fallen short. Fallen short. Everyone has fallen short. Everyone has missed the mark. There is no one who will hit the mark without an intervention from God himself. All of us have sinned and fallen short. This is such an important thing to understand. When you understand that you have sinned and you sinned and you have missed the mark, you have fallen short, you can now surrender to what's true in the gospel. This is the first step. And if you if you go to any 12-step program, the first one is you are powerless. You can do nothing by yourself. You're a mess and you can't fix yourself. I remember just having been an addict myself for years that there's a lot of stuff that goes on in your head, a lot of excuses, a lot of saying, yeah, I can do it better next time. I know I'll do better, and I try and do it in my own strength. But the reality is, is we have sinned and fallen short. What's the gospel according to Noah? What does that say? In Genesis 6, it says, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were evil, only evil, all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Can you imagine? Here is a God who went through this incredible effort and dy dynamic experience of creating all of creation for the purpose of having relationship with us and how his heart must have felt being rejected by everyone in the world. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. I think it speaks a little of, of God's heart for us. You know, if, if you have a child and that child is, is misbehaving, that child, you, the regret isn't, oh, they're not listening to me. The regret is, I'm pained for the pain that this is going to bring you in your life if you keep going this direction. Isn't it? That's God's heart for us. It's God's heart for us. And then it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Did he find favor because he was good? What do you think? No, he didn't. Matter of fact, in Hebrews 7, it says that it was because of his faith 
that he was declared righteous. Just like I spoke a couple weeks ago and Pastor Joe spoke last week that Abraham was declared righteous because of his faith. If you keep going in the story of Noah, you'll see how imperfect he is. We're not going to go there today. It's a pretty long story. But he wasn't perfect. He wasn't good, except for the fact that he believed God. And what does this say about the nature of man? It says that every inclination of the human heart, every inclination. How many inclinations do you have in a day? I have thousands of inclinations in a day, right? Some I act on, some I don't. Inclination. Every inclination of my heart is only evil. And not only is it only evil, it's only evil all the time. Oy vey! Come on! It's easy to say that, isn't it? Don't you think you're overstating it? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this is a reality. I think God is making it very clear that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Jeremiah 17, 9, it says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Did you know that? You know, we're really good at kind of overlooking things about ourselves. Now, overlooking things about another person, that's another thing, right? But overlooking things about ourselves, impatience, arrogance, you know, ah, that's just a, that's just me. That's just because I'm Jewish, you know, or Irish or whatever, right? We're good at overlooking things, but I think we underestimate. We underestimate the depravity of our situation, the depravity of our own hearts. I'm telling you, it is totally freeing to understand this and to, and to embrace it, that our hearts are sick. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Well, how about that person? How about that? All things and desperately wicked. And then the last part is, who really knows how bad it is? That's a rhetorical question. That's like you cannot figure out. You cannot go any deeper than this. This is the worst. The human heart is the worst. Who could possibly know how terrible the human heart is? That's our situation. Give somebody a high five. <laughs> you know? In this world, in this system, that is not something people are comfortable with. Within the context of the kingdom of God, this is a good thing to know. It is not a good thing. It is a good thing to know. Because once you know this, you could do what we're going to do in the next few steps. So let's keep going. The second part of the Roman road says, talks about the consequences of sin. So we're going to have one more sad one, then we're going to move on. All right? How many of you are into moving on after the sad one? Yeah? Okay. So the consequences of sin. This is our desperate need. How, how much in need are we? The Romans road says, for the wages of sin is death. Death. Because of sin, we die. It says if you've broken one part of the law, you've broken the entire law. So we are law breakers. Raise your hand if you're a law breaker. That's everybody. We are all law breakers. And because of that, the wages of our sin, the wages of breaking that law, the effect of breaking that law is that we are dead. The wages of sin is death and the death to come. What's the gospel according to Noah? What does it say? Genesis 6. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. It's a very sad thing to think that the world was going to not exist the way God planned it. 
that we shouldn't even be here except for his plan and his purpose that he's going to bring about. So what's, what, what's that, what actually happened here in the story? It says, For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lift the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. There rose greatly on the earth, and the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind, everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils, died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People, with anim people and animals and the creatures that move along the ground and the birds were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. And Noah was on the ark for almost a year. But look at, look at what's being spoken of here. Time and time again, we look at what is the wages of sin that we would perish, that, that mankind would die, that we would be wiped out. And then later on it says, wiped out from the earth. This is our situation before the intervention that God has planned. But God desires that no one would perish, but everyone would come to him. Amen? Everyone would come to him. You know, sin is an interesting thing because sin is something that is a catalyst. It catalyzes things. Sin catalyzes pain, catalyzes anger, catalyzes bitterness, catalyzes more sin. Have you noticed that in your life? I remember it wasn't that long ago. It was just a few months ago that, that I was really struggling with someone, and they were really just angry at me, and, and uh, there's no one here. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I went home, and I just wanted to take it out on someone. That, that's what sin does in its very simplest little way, right? Another example of that, an incredibly sad example of that, is the assistant coach, Jerry Sandusky, who's in prison for life for abuse, sexual abuse. And how is it that this week his son was arrested for the same thing? Do you think sin begets more sin? It does. It is a destructive force. But thank God for Jesus Christ who has overcome the world. Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we are all going to this judgment seat. And if we are covered with the blood of Jesus, if we are protected by his life, covered by him, in Christ, as the Bible says, then we are going to be judged by Christ's righteousness. And if we are not covered by Christ, but we are just looking as we are, as just people with all the issues that we face, all the sin that is in our lives, then we will be judged by those. The wages of sin is death. Let's look at the next part of the Roman road. It says salvation is God's gift. Amen? Amen. I'm so glad. Romans Road says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Oh, man. It's a gift. Aren't you glad it's a gift? Aren't you glad you can't earn it because you never would be able to? It is precious beyond our comprehension. It is unfathomable in its power to change our lives and to give us eternal life and to restore relationship with our creator and to restore purpose and meaning to our life. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
This is the great and glorious gift that he's given us. How do we see this in, in Genesis, in the Gospel of Noah? It says, so God was talking to Noah, and he said, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you would build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it. Leave below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Even in judgment, God provides grace. Jesus is our ark. He is our ark. The ark is a type of Christ. I put quotes on this so that we can understand that that word has a very special meaning when you look at biblical literature. A type is a special symbolism that is prophetic in nature. And so we can look at the ark, we could see the symbolic nature of it, and we could see how it speaks to us about the gospel, speaks to us about Jesus Christ himself. So let's look at, at some of the things that it really does speak to us. The first thing it does is about God's provision. The ark was provided by God. It was God's idea. It was God's design. And it was God's divine empowerment that gave Noah the ability to be able to do it. It was also God's patience, it says in Peter, that, that he waited for the ark to be finished before judgment would happen. This was God's provision. For Noah and his family to survive the judgment that would come. God's provision. And Jesus Christ was provided for our salvation as well. Aren't you glad? It was God's idea. God's idea. He wasn't going to withhold anything from us. He was going to allow his one and only son to be the only one that could be a sacrifice for us because he is the only one who was perfect, who was sinless, who was holy, that could offer himself for the sins of mankind. Provided by God himself. God's one and only son. It's the only plan that would have worked. There's no other plan that would work. You could look around the world and you could see every other plan that has been thought of throughout the ages and you could see how they fall miserably short. Most of them have to do with trying to justify or uh, please God through actions, through works. And of course, we're going to fall miserably short on that because we just can't. We just can't do it. Right? Yes? So this is God's great gift to us. Make yourself an ark. God gave it to us. God gave us Jesus, the ark. Then there's the covering. Now, the covering in the ark was this pitch that was, was put on to keep the boat seaworthy. Wood alone would not keep it seaworthy, right? It would seep through. It would sink immediately. So Noah was instructed to take pitch and to, and to coat the entire ark to cover it. The root word for that word is atonement or cover. Just as that pitch covered the ark to keep the deluge of destruction out, the judgment of God out of that boat. The blood of Christ covers us and atones for us so that we do not fall under his judgment as well. Then there's only one way. There was only one Noah's Ark. There weren't three or four. 
like different airlines or something like that, different, different times leaving and stuff like that. One ark. There wasn't just one ark. There was one door into the ark. One door into the ark. There was only one way that Noah's family would be saved, and that was through that one door into that one ark. And that's what we have in Christ as well. Christ is the door. He is the only ark. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one. He is the door. Luke 13 says this. Someone asked Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. And once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you came from. There is only one door, and we must go into that door, through that door, which is Christ himself, in order to be saved. What is the ark's effect? Everyone, everyone who went into the ark was saved from judgment. There was not one single person. Now, if you're thinking about some of the movies that have come out recently, they're, they're, they had kind of fights and all kinds of stuff, but that's all, that's all kind of artistic license. The reality is, is every single person that went into that ark was saved from judgment. And thank God that's the case for us. John 6.37 says, All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Isn't that awesome? It is spectacular to know that the effect of the ark of Christ in our lives is that we are saved from judgment, period. Period. What does that do to our souls? Understanding that the judgment of God, we do not have to fear it because of the cross of Christ. How healing it is. I, I have to encourage you guys that it's so important to remember this is a reality. I think we know it in our heads, but we do not know it in our souls that we are free from judgment because of the cross of Christ. The ark security, no matter what happened in the deluge, and I love this picture because it looks like a disaster. And it was. No matter what happened, they were safe. There was nothing that happened in this storm that destroyed the ark or killed anybody in it. Now think about it. We had water coming from the heavens in sheets, first time ever that it rained on the planet. We had water bursting up from underground. It's coming from everywhere. I mean, think about the tsunami that happened several years ago off the coast of Japan and what it did. It decimated Japan and that coast. Hundreds of thousands of people died just because of that small tsunami in relation to this flood. You can hear water running right now <laughs> in our ceiling. That's very appropriate. Thank you, God. I like that. Amen. <laughs> so no matter what is happening in the deluge, they were safe. No matter what happens in our life, Jesus said, uh, in this life, we would have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So no matter what the storm is, you guys facing a storm? Anybody? Anybody have some issues? Half the church faces issues at any given time. It's just the way it is. So if you don't raise your hand, I know it's probably you, right? <laughs> we all have issues, but we need to know this. He has overcome those issues. We are in the ark of Christ, and we are safe and secure. 
What a great thing. It's a good thing to applaud because that is, there's nothing like the security of God. There is nothing like it. It brings healing to your soul like nothing else can. And just being the anxious, Woody Allen-esque type person I am, I really needed that in my life and made an incredible difference to know that. It's also limited in opportunity. God shut them in. No one else came in. No one went out. Imagine how many people were on the outside of that boat. Imagine how many people saw this water gushing from the earth and pouring from the skies, sheets of water, and never stopping for day upon day upon day. And now there's no dry ground, and they're wondering, when is it going to stop? There was a limited time when people can enter the ark. The door was shut. This is important to know because there is a limited time for us to enter the ark of Christ. Bible says it's appointed for man to live once, die, and then be judged. You don't get a chance on the other side. You don't get to go to school and learn something new and do better next. That's not the plan that God has put in place. God has made it perfectly evident, as Romans 1 says, that we would see through his glorious creation, that we would see through the expression of life here on this world, that he exists, and he has called us to himself to receive forgiveness. And there is no excuse, the Bible says. Everyone knows. Everyone knows whether they tell you or not, whether they, whether they are honest with you or not, or honest with themselves or not. Everyone knows they have to address this issue. It's a limited opportunity. There were 10 virgins. Jesus talked about this story, and, and uh, they were waiting for the bridegroom. Five virgins were ready. Five virgins were not. And the bridegroom came, and the door was shut. And Jesus' warning was, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. I do not say this be out of, to create fear. I'm actually saying it because I think we need to be bold. We need to be bold and go into this world and realize that the day and the hour is absolutely coming. And we have friends and family, co-workers and neighbors that desperately need to enter the ark. The last Roman road point is put your trust in God. Step by faith into his ark. Romans 10 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Who? Everyone will be saved. If you think the flood that we described and we just walked through was disastrous, when Christ comes, there's going to be greater judgment on the earth. It's going to be a final judgment, not something to look forward to. But we have to understand that there are people that are not in the ark in our lives. Do you know someone who is not in the ark of Christ, who desperately needs to know that there is a flood coming? I mean, think about it. The people of Noah's time, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's finish this, then we'll get to that. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And the gospel according to Noah says this in Genesis 7. And the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. On that very day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, together with his wife and the wives of his three sons, entered the ark. They had... With them, every wild animal according to its kind, all livestock according to their kind, every creature that moves along the ground according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, everything with wings, pairs of all creatures that have breath of life in them came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female for every living thing, as God had commanded Noah. Then the Lord shut him in. The Lord did it. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, And as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. Put your trust in God. 
they entered the ark and God shut them in. Have you entered the ark today? Have you entered the ark of salvation today? Because I am guaranteeing you there is a flood coming. There is. Enter the ark of God. Receive what he has for you. Receive the blessing, the forgiveness that comes through faith, and the relationship that comes through his grace in your life. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Noah and his family built the ark in faith and they entered the ark in faith and then God closed the door on them and they were forever saved from God's wrath at that very moment. We have that as well. What are the results of salvation? Romans Road says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives and all the animals and all the creatures that moved along the ground and all the birds. Everything that moves on the land came out from the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. What are the results of salvation? Restored relationship with God. What's the first thing that Noah did? He worshiped God. He worshiped God. And then where, what do we see about this gospel? In Genesis 9, we see this amazing, amazing promise that God has given to Noah. And God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you. When you hear God say that, Oh, that's exciting, you guys. To have God establish his covenant with you. We're going to take the bread and the wine in just a minute. This is the covenant that God has established with us. It is the most profound, life-changing thing that we could ever, ever experience. And in its infancy, it is shown here in this covenant that God made with Noah. Quite a covenant. He made it with you, uh, I will make it, this covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature, creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I will establish my covenant with you, and never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will be the flood to destroy the earth. And God says, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant to all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. You know what the sign is to us? The Holy Spirit in us. It is a sign guaranteeing, it says in the scripture, guaranteeing the promises of God to us. A seal guaranteeing that. Romans 8 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. These are amazing results, you guys. There is nothing like it. I know if you come to church on a regular basis, you hear this. But you need to hear it with new ears because the reality is, is if you do not have this, you have that. You have that out in the world, and you are not in the ark. And we have a whole world of people that are not in the ark, a whole world of people in our lives that are not in the ark. What are we doing? It says about Noah that he was a preacher of righteousness in Peter. That's what Peter calls him, a preacher of righteousness. God told him what was going to happen. Do you think he was silent? No, he preached righteousness to everyone. But the only ones who would be able to get on the ark were those people. The only people who put their faith in God. We have a whole world of people out there that must get on the ark. I'm just thinking personally, just people in my life, my family, 
friends that I have that desperately need to know the grace that's found in Jesus Christ. Because, not because it's a religious idea, because it's life. It's life. Yes? Romans 8 says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor the powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The most important word there is convinced. Are you convinced that the love of God will do that in your life? We need that convincing. But we also need to know what the other side looks like. All those forces... People we know in our lives are not protected by any of those forces. Only those that know Christ. My prayer for us is that we would be convinced in our souls. That we wouldn't just have a religious understanding in our minds that we are convinced, yes, Jesus loves me, this I know. But that we would radically understand like Noah did Noah took action. Noah built this ark. Noah got in the ark as God commanded him, and Noah was saved, along with everyone that God said would be saved. And now we have a choice. We have a choice. We're going to, ushers, why don't you come forward and start passing the communion elements, please? I don't see any ushers. Oh, there they are. Good. We have a choice because. This time is like Noah's day. And Jesus made that very clear. In Matthew 24, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what happened until the flood came and took them all away. That's, we can start. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. This is certain, folks. Jesus is coming back. He might not come back for the second coming in our lifetime, but he is coming back for us in our lifetime. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about our founding pastor, Eric. How thrilling it must be to not know when the Lord comes back, but for the master to find the servant doing what he was called to do when he returns. Do you guys want to do that? Do you want to be doing what God has called you to do, living the life that God has called you to live when he comes back to you? Because I'm telling you, he is coming back for you. Jesus is coming. You know, there was a story of a rich man who in invested himself in himself, but he never came to God. And he was a farmer, and he kept building barn after barn, and he had a lot of wealth in these barns stored away. The story goes, the farmer says to himself, you have plenty of grain laid up for, for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Jesus Christ is coming back. And we have a world that desperately needs the gospel. We have people in our lives that need to get on that ark. And there might be some people here today that need to get on that ark. And I just want to encourage you, get in the ark. It is the only place that is safe from the deluge that will come. It is, a, it is, it is an absolute. It will come. 
And I'm not trying to scare you. Because what this is, is the great promise of God that we would enter into this wonderful relationship for all eternity with God. And what he's trying to do is move away the thing, the barrier that's in our way, which is the sin that we face that causes death in our lives and separation from God. We are to be Noah's to this generation. We are to be Noah's. To this generation. If you know Christ, you have to be a Noah because the end is coming for each one of us. And I don't know about you, but I have a bunch of people that I love that I want to know Christ, and I know you do too. Luke 12, 40 says, you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect Him. And so, as we lift these elements up, this is the new covenant. This is a part of the covenant that God made throughout history, throughout Genesis, throughout the prophets as we get into those. This is, it was in its infancy then, it is fully realized now. And then when we see him and we see face to face, we will forever be blown away by the love and grace and the covenant, the promise that God has made with us. This is it. It represents his body broken for us. Those of you that don't know Jesus today, this is your opportunity. As you eat this, this doesn't save you. Make it a point to ask Jesus, Lord, save me. I want to get on the ark. I just want to give an opportunity right now while we're just here at this very moment. Is there anyone here who wants to give, get on the ark? Anyone here who wants to give their life to God? Amen. Anyone else? This is it. This is, there's a short opportunity, a short window. It's your lifetime. That's it. It's a short window. You never know when it's going to end. This is it. Can you stand with me right now? We're going to take communion together. But for, for those of us that know Christ, I'm going to put a challenge out to you. This deluge that Noah faced was real, and it happened, and the only people that lived were on the ark. The deluge that's going to come is real, it's going to happen, and the only people that will survive are those that are in the ark of Christ. You know people that need Christ. You know them. It is time to stop playing church. Excuse the expression. It is time to stop playing religion, playing faith, and start using your words, using your actions, using your prayer, using your love, using everything that you have at your ability to proclaim like Noah did the righteousness of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. Can I just challenge you this week to share the gospel? Have you ever been challenged like that? <laughs> Can we do that? Can we just say this week we are going to share the gospel? The thing I love about Eric, our, our senior pastor, our, our founding pastor, was that he could have worked in his nice office, but instead he went to where people were that needed Jesus. And he worked there, and he was interrupted there, and it took twice as long there because people asked him questions. He was the pastor at Starbucks. He was the pastor at the Village Inn. And I'm telling you, that's, not, that's true. People knew they could go to him and hear the gospel. What else do we have to do in our life except decide that we are going to be a light of the world? This is it. Everything else is meaningless. Building a big house, having a retirement, all these things are meaningless, it says in Ecclesiastes. We must warn people 
about what's coming and love them into the kingdom. Will you do that this week? We have to. I'm telling you, I look at the news, I look at this world, and something's happening soon. I don't know what, but all I know is there's a lot of people that need to hear about the ark of Jesus Christ. Lord, we lift this up to you, this bread. And we realize that this comes in a lineage that starts way, way back, way back, even before creation. You knew. You knew this was going to happen. You knew that your son would have to come and die on the cross for our sins. And yet you did it anyway. So we take this bread broken for us. Jesus Christ's body broken for us, beaten for us crucified for us, killed for us so that we would not have to face death. And we eat this recognizing that we are in the ark of God but also committing to warn people that they need to get in the ark too. This great news of Jesus Christ. Let's eat together. Now we lift this cup to you, Lord. We thank you that it is the blood of the new covenant. That by your sin, by, by your blood, our sins are washed away. We are made white as snow. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so because you are the only one that could have done this, because you were the only perfect sacrifice of highest value. You died and you shed your blood so that we can enter the ark of salvation for eternity. We drink this thanking you and committing to share this great news with those that we love. Let's drink together. I know it was a little challenging today to say, share the gospel this week. But honestly, this is real. It's real. And you know it's real. Let's start living in reality. Let's start sharing the gospel with people. Whoever you find, they will thank you forever, literally. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Great. Have a great day today. God bless you all.